Thanks for joining us for another great message from Futures Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to futures.church. And now for our message. My mum, Romana Lydia Guillaume, she wanted two things for us. She wanted for our family that, uh, that we would love Jesus and she just wanted the brothers to get along. They were the two cultures. That's every mum's dream and yeah. hope and wish. When the kids get along, the home is happy. Yeah, and that's what we're sharing on today. Is exactly, I'm meant to come in there. That's exactly what we're sharing on today. Um, That pleases our heart as parents when your children get along and that pleases God's heart when we get along. And so today when we were chatting and praying, we really felt to share into a culture of this house. Mum set the culture in our homes, right? We create that culture. And so one of the cultures of this home is koinonia. And so that's what we want to speak about. What, What this is, is we believe God wants us in this church to have deep spirited friendships, to have friendships. And, uh, and this is a topic sometimes that I think people agree with, but it can be a topic we find hard. I just want you to lean in because it's not just a, our church culture, it's actually a kingdom culture that I think we have and we wanna fight for. You know, culture matters. Your, your house has a culture. Culture's formed in three ways. It's who you relate to, what you repeat, and what you reject. When you look in any home or relationship, it'll come from these three R's, who you relate to, what you repeat, and what you reject. And you actually have to look at what you like and don't like about any environment and, and reject the things that aren't healthy and repeat the things that are and relate to those you wanna be connected with. And, and koinonia or fellowship is a culture that we believe in and we want in the church. And uh, you know, the Bible is a book of family and relationships. And we first see this word koinonia, which is the word fellowship. Everyone say fellowship. Fellowship. We see it right at the beginning of the church, that when the Holy Spirit inspired the writer of Acts to to show us, Luke, to show us what the early church looked like, this is what it looked like. We'll put it on the screen, Acts 2.42. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And right after that, it didn't actually say worship. It says to fellowship and the sharing of meals and in prayer. This word fellowship is the word koinonia or koinonia. And and what it means is it's actually a word that was used to describe a marriage relationship where friendships had a level of intimacy where they had such selfless principles of sharing and living for one another that the church grew and looked like a family, not just a gathering of people. And that's what we believe from the beginning what God had, He still has today. In fact, Jesus said, by this, all men will know you're my disciples. He's saying, look, if someone walked into our church, they wouldn't know we were followers of Jesus because there was a cross on the wall or because of the preacher. He wouldn't say they would know you are my followers because of the songs you sang or because Jesus was on the back screen. Or today, Happy Mother's Day, whatever it is, they would know you're my disciples just by watching how you connected with one another. How you love one another. How you love one another. And at that early church, The Bible tells us in Acts chapter two, this early church had two markings. They had joy and the Holy Spirit. In fact, when you look in the Bible, the closest relationship actually wasn't mother to child. And when you look in Bible times and and where all of Scripture is written, and you look at the principles of that day and that culture, the closest relationship actually wasn't father to son. It was siblings. 
The most important relationship in families, which brothers and sisters, were children of parents relating together. That's why when you look in the Bible, the Bible is a story of siblings. From the beginning, it was a story of Cain and Abel. It was a story of Jacob and Esau. It was a story of Joseph and his brothers, of Moses and, and Miriam and Aaron, and of course, of Mary and Martha and their different responses, of, uh, of Peter and Andrew. We look at the story of brothers was the most important and intimate of relationships. In fact, it was so important that Jesus reserved a special name for his disciples that he never gave them until he rose again. Only after the resurrection did Jesus call his followers brothers. Because now, because of the connection we have with the Father, because of the way that Jesus made, we now, as the church, we're not just attendees or not just followers or disciples. We got to have the most intimate of relationship, not just up and across, up with the Father, but across with one another, we now become family. Which is why in the Bible, the betrayal of a brother is the greatest of the betrayals. But also, when we see true family, is where we see the anointing. Where Psalm 137 says this, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together. And then it says, it's like oil on the head that pours on, that goes to Aaron's beard and then to the edge of the garments. It's saying this, that the very thing that attracts the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that the oil of God the, the revival, the, the touch of heaven that we believe for is not just because of our singing, but it's because of the unity, friendship and family that God planned that we would have within the church and the family of God. It's actually his heart's desire. Just as we love yeah. our children getting along, so he does. And we're called children of God, right? So Think about it, we're all children, we're all brothers and sisters. There's yes. no grandchildren, we are all children of God. Right. So we're brothers and sisters and so what pleases Him is when we get along and so that's why this culture, not like you're right, not only to this church but to the church, to believers yes. is so pivotal because there isn't anybody like family. There's nobody like sisters. I mean, I have two brothers and one sister and I love them dearly and family are amazing because they're always there for you, right? They're meant to be. Most of the time, they're always there for you. There was a time um, when my sister and I, we were driving home in, in my car. I was driving, I had my peas, I think, and I was turning a corner and it was pelting down with rain and a car came and hit me out of nowhere. Well, she jumped out the car and ran home and left me in the middle of the road <laughs> on my own to deal with that on my own. And I'm like, where did she go? Sometimes they leave you hanging, but here's the thing. You still always love them no matter what happens because that's what family do, right? Family can annoy you and, and yeah. tick you off and whatever else, but you love them because they're family. Yeah. Um, she's the one that encourages me to get my nails done because I'm not always that girly. She's the one that will turn up and she'll make me belly laugh and bring me coffee and chocolate and yeah. cheer me up. She's the one that will have my children and look after them. She's the one that, like... And our dog, our crazy dog, she babysits him with my mother. Bless you. When he go, when we go away, they so look after one Buddy. One time, what did Buddy do in Sheree's bed? Buddy vomited and diarrheaed in her bed at the end of her bed. That's how much she loves me. She's willing to have my dog. Don't think That's he's done that to you. For. That's what family is for. But here's the thing. 
Here's the thing with family, right? She'll challenge me. She'll call me out on things. She'll see me at my best, at my worst, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm fearful, when I'm worried, when I'm crying, when I'm whatever I am, when I've been camping and I have dirty hair and no makeup and she still loves me. And that's what we're meant to be. We're meant to have connection like that. And if you don't believe me, let me read you a scripture. Philippians 2, 1 to 4. Watch how Paul says this. It's amazing. (laughs) Includes us all. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if His love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you. Put the screws in here. (laughs) Here, if you have a heart. Anyone got a heart? We're all here. This is for you then. If you care, then do me a favour. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Pretty tough words. But if we grab it, totally it makes life-changing. Life better. Unity, blessing. Makes life better. You see, we... Um, we often teach our kids, you can't live your best life with the wrong friends, right? We teach our kids that. Can I say in the exact same way, you can't live your best life with no friends. When it comes to your church life and your Christian walk, you cannot live your best Christian walk without friends. And God has placed you in a family and community where He wants all of us to walk in friendships and friendships that go beyond that to become family. I mean, we could talk all day about the difference people have made in this church to us and, and the relationships we have. Like, they've, your girls have pushed you. I know. We, I've got friends in here that we've walked 45 kilometres together in one day. Like, amazing. We had to train. We had to work hard. We had to sacrifice our sleep or sacrifice our time. But do you know what? When you invest and you put the time and effort in, you reap the reward. That's right. Big walks. Big walks, people. Nelson in this church, he services my car. And do you know, you need that person. I pay him, you know, but you know, the, you, how nervous is it when you gotta get your car serviced? You'd know whether to trust them or not. But if you've got a friend, you yeah. know whatever he says is true. Uh, yeah. I mean, Taplin, he's in there with the kids right now, Josh Taplin. He's a hero to my kids. I, I love it. I, I love playing basketball with Rob, I like playing golf with the boys, I I like that. Adam laughs at everything that I say because he's got a good sense of humour. I mean, just this last Friday, we hung out with two new couples. We haven't known that well, but we're getting to know them and because there's always room to make new friends. Like, we looked up to the seas and how they brought up their boys and want our boys to be similar. Like, the church is filled with people that God wants to add into all different parts of your life to make your life better. And I guess the question for you is who are those people in your world, in your life and right here in this room because there are people here. We just have to take the time to connect and get to know each other and develop and have some meaningful connection to agree with each other, love each other and be deep-spirited friends. But it takes both of us. And and it's not easy. We're going to recognise that today. Sometimes they have something of value something that's deep and rich is actually not easy. It takes intentionality. And that's what I want to encourage you with today because it, sometimes it's so easy to walk in and out of family and church 
and not have a meaningful connection. My pop, Bill Greenwood, he was a legend. I loved him. And uh, he's with the Lord now. But his last years, he had dementia. And, uh, um, and he needed care. But we also wanted him to be in a place where he just wasn't alone. So we put him in a dementia, we put him in a home where there were other people walking through the similar thing and, and wanted to be in community. But I discovered something when I went to see him. Uh, he was in a room filled with people, but no one was interacting. And I wonder if the Holy Spirit sometimes, who is in perfect unity with the Father and always in relationship with Jesus, can walk in and, and, and see the church in a room filled with people, but without meaningful interaction and connection. I wonder if we can come into the same space and worship, agree with the word, have a coffee, walk out, and we have kept our souls to ourselves. I wonder if we've worked out a way to do church without having meaningful connection. And we were never meant to be in a community of believers and to go through the motions without having meaningful connection. That then isn't a family, that's a gathering, that's a meeting, uh, that's a service. But we were meant to have more than that. We were meant to have family. And can I say, that is not dependent on church size, you know. Uh, that's a choice that every one of us, every single one of us have to make. God's plan is that we can all have deep-spirited friends in the church. And it's actually not about the church size. You see, can I just talk about some misconceptions with big church? When we started this church back 100 years ago, it wasn't me, uh, but, um, but we never intended to be a large church. We just wanted to be a Bible-based, Jesus-worshipping community that believed in the Great Commission and wanted to see people find Jesus, amen? And the Holy Spirit has grown this church. Now, as a church, in order to have community and allow people to work and do sport and still gather, we have multiple services. But it's impossible to have one meeting where everyone can connect and be together. However, the same Spirit that created and birthed the church there in Acts chapter two is the same Spirit of God that has grown this church, amen? And if God's plan was to grow this church, He would never intend to do it at the cost of relationship that He had in the first church. You see, the church, no matter its size, if it was 10 people or 10,000 people, the church should always still have the Word of God. It should always worship and glorify Jesus. It should always be good for its community. It should always have worship that is anointed by the Holy Spirit. And it should always be a church of family, friends, and believers that do life together in koinonia. Amen? And this church is no different. You see, I actually believe that if every church and this church is actually a loving church. Totally. I, I think it's really important. Sometimes it's easy in a big church to hide, yeah. to walk in late, to disappear, to walk out because there's so many people. But we would encourage you not to do that because we're meant to connect with Him, yes, and we come in here and we do that together as a gathering. But you are missing out on so much if you don't connect with others as well. That's our heart and I guess totally. that's the culture we wanted to encourage today and continue to speak into. But 
I, I thought this coming into, when I first came here, I was in a smaller church. I thought, oh, this is going to be terrible. Like not very loving. A big church is hard, right? To, they're not even going to notice that we're here. But it's been the complete opposite. And I think God does it sometimes to shock us to say, oh, you don't know everything, Shana. But it has been the most loving, kind place. And there's so much intentional work that goes into making sure you feel welcome, you feel loved here, you feel seen and valued. We create, there's not all these things, amazing things that we tell you about for excitement. It's actually just a place for people to connect. We want you to connect at sisterhood. We want you to connect at playgroup. We want you to connect in some way, shape or form because we know the power of connecting together and loving one another. That's right. It always pers- it really is perspective. Yeah. We can either look and go, wow, there's so many people, how will I connect? Or we look and go, in this room, there are people I can connect with. You're never gonna be friends with everyone, but there are people you can be deep-spirited friends with, and it takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. But can I say this? It's worth it. Sometimes we think in a, in a large church, it's hard to make connections and get involved. Can I say this? endless opportunities, it actually just requires you to take a first step. If you've recently joined, even in the last few years, next month, we've got a dinner we put on, a welcome to church dinner, a new friends dinner, where we just want you to come in, eat food, meet people and and make connections. If you're in young adults, so regularly after Sunday night, we put on connections and events so people can connect and meet with one another. I mean, uh, if you're in the collective, anywhere from basically 25 up to 40, and, and next month there's a bonfire, not just because we like to burn things, so you can meet each other. And, and you know, uh, for youth, we know sometimes on a Friday night there's not enough time to make deep relationships, so there's camp coming up in a little bit. Uh, for the girls next month, we've got sisterhood where you can just meet people. In a couple of weeks, we've got a Kingdom Builders breakfast for people that are passionate about marketplace ministry. I mean, every fortnight, we gather in hundreds of homes around the city in groups of 10 to 20, just in every age group, just so you can make a connection. And this is just a few. If there's not a connection you've made, you've stopped trying. Not every friendship will go deep, but there are endless opportunities and it is awkward and it is hard to begin, but it is Worth, worth it. Amen. Amen. And, and sometimes we listen to this lie. Sometimes we feel for it to be genuine, it has to be organic. It just has to happen. I realised, Shans and I, when we were dating, it was because we had time. We could go on organic, spontaneous date nights. Now with kids and a busy life, nothing's organic. It's planned. And does that mean it's less romantic? Not at all. It's just intentional and deliberate to ensure it's an ongoing, healthy part of our life. Can I say, in a, in a larger church, we actually be very deliberate to create opportunity, but that doesn't mean the relationships you can have in there isn't organic. It can be real. There's a place for your kids to run. There's a place for you where you're valued. It's a place for every culture, every age to come together and do life. The question is for each of us, are we doing it? Yeah, I think the encouragement is also to make the first move. Like, yeah. do something um, that might be out the box and don't feel like it has to be boxed. Don't box meaningful connection either. Yeah. I've had the most incredible connections in church, whether it be just in a worship moment, crying with my mum right now, or sitting up the back of church in one of the hardest times of my life, and this lady just came and rubbed my back, or could be receiving a text from somebody in this room. Don't discount those little meaningful connections. They're all valuable, and that's what we need to do. 
We have to be intentional though. And I found this, like you said, it doesn't always happen organically. We caught up last night as a family for my uncle's 80th. That wasn't organic, it was planned. But what God did at that was so amazing. And God does that. So when you make the time and you, you know, it's sometimes more effort, you have to get off the couch, you have to put on your get out of your pajamas or whatever. It's worth it because, you know, God, God has created us to have relationship together. And when we do that, we get filled with joy because it's actually God's plan. There is a scripture that has been in my spirit since 2020 and I can't shake it. I'm gonna read it to you, 1 Peter 4, verse seven to nine. The end of all things is near. Perspective. Sometimes we need that, right? All right. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, here's the important things. The end of all is near. Therefore, these are the important things. Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sin. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve self, no, to serve others and as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various form. We need to have the right perspective and remember what's important. And what is important is that we love him and love one another. Sometimes we get distracted. I can say to Josh, would you you like a coffee? He'll go, yeah, Shana, because he normally makes me coffee. On my way to making coffee, I will see a stack of dishes, so I'll stack the dishwasher. Then I'll turn the coffee machine on. Then I'll put a load of washing on. Then I'll change Buddy's water. Then I'll see stuff and start folding and doing whatever. And then by the time I've done all that, I've forgotten that I'm meant to be making us a coffee. I make the coffee. So then he ends up making me the coffee. Why? Because we actually get distracted. So this is, uh, guys, the end of all things is near. So guess what? This is the important stuff. Love each other. Offer hospitality. Serve each other. That's what we're here to do. I love what it says in verse 8. It says, love each other deeply. Because to love someone deeply and richly will actually cost your time. It'll cost emotional energy. It'll cost sometimes money, but it's meaningful. Now you won't have that with every person in the church, but there are people here that God has created that you would be family and friends with, but it takes effort. Like Pastor John, beautiful Italian pastor. That makes beautiful Italian pastor. And, uh, and here's the thing, right? He's not cracking a can. This, this takes time. His pastor takes energy. It has a thick, deep, rich sauce. It's homemade. When I taught him how to make it, it told him, John, this is not two minute noodles, my friend. This is my nonna's pasta. And it, it's, it's richer. It's deeper. It actually just doesn't happen in a quick, hello in the foyer and we move on. Can I say sometimes we have to be willing to stop be still and risk awkwardness to bless someone and have something of meaning that's rich and has flavour and has depth. So how do we do this? Let's just talk for a moment. Are you doing okay? Some of you don't know how to be in these moments, but this is family, right? We can have a family moment on a family day. How do we have deep friendships? How do, how do we start friendships? How do we have a connection in a foyer to begin? 
Well, I said this in the first service and I didn't have it in my notes, so I'm going to say it again. Linger longer. Yeah. There is so much power in just stopping, even if you feel uncomfortable, and just being, staying, coming in the foyer, grabbing a coffee, just staying a little bit longer instead of just running out. Because it's a, sometimes, like you said, we, we come and connect with God, but we hide ourselves. So try and linger a little bit longer. Now, I know it's Mother's Day and I know you're probably going to all your lunches and that's yeah. totally fine. Next Sunday, linger longer, come a bit earlier, grab a coffee, just push through that awkward moment and allow, or even go out your way, smile at somebody, start a conversation. I say, uh, one of the best ways is be kind and if you're buying a coffee, buy one for the person behind you. And now they're stuck and they have to talk to you because you shouted them a coffee, right? And they'll know now why you're doing it, but hey, at least you're trying to make a conversation. Uh, uh, If you join a serving team, just being willing to, Shans did this when we first joined the church. She just joined the hosting team, stood on the doors and met people as they came in just to make a connection. Because uh, um, uh, you've got to have conversation openers. I did this on our first date and Shana found the card that I had, right? My first date, I had all these conversation starters and she like kind of was semi-offended. But I'm like, my mum prays so hard for you. I have no choice but to have, to make sure I nail this thing. I say, it, it'd be better to have some pre-planned conversation starters. Some of you think I'm just a good conversationalist. I prepared for you. And, uh, and I actually thought, and can I say, this is what you can got make to... some cards for you. I'll make cards for you. But this is, there's two parts to any conversation that's awkward. There's the hello, and then there's the goodbye. And we don't do it because we don't know how to say goodbye. So this is how you end a conversation. Good chatting. And you walk away. Now, they also know that you were done. And maybe they weren't done, but at least you got out of there before you were done and it was awkward. And next time you can start again where you left off. It'd be better to do that than to walk out and hide like we did in the garden. Can I tell you, we actually have to have, we actually have to have a genuine curiosity about others. And sometimes we just wanna talk about ourselves. But when you go to someone and you have a genuine curiosity about them, that means you don't have to just talk to someone in your age or season. When you realise someone from a different country, someone from a different life experience, someone from a different age, and you walk in with a genuine curiosity, you might make a genuine friend that could be important and in your life. And not only that, you learn from them. The amount of conversations I've had with people that I've asked them questions and I learn about their life, their story. Totally. Like, it is so powerful and it can shape so much of who we are. We're created to do that. I guess I say for some of us, two, two things, and we're nearly finished. We're only about an hour to go. No, we know, we know it's Mother's Day. Uh, some of us have been in serving teams for a long time, like maybe kids, and then you've stopped and you come out and you don't know how to connect again. You actually have to be willing to step out. Some of us, we've, gotten, we've been in the church a long time and friends move or change or go to a different service or campus and you have to make new friends. That actually comes with it because sometimes we think I've been here so long I shouldn't make new friends. We should always be making new friends. Always being kind, amen? Verse nine says this, Offer hospitality without grumbling. Yes. And the keys can come. Offer, another one says, practice hospitality. You might not think you're a great cook and so you can't have people over or do anything. Please, let's break that misconception. Um, I admit it, I am a recovering... Perfectionist. Perfectionist. Mm -hmm. I think I'm a struggling recovering perfectionist. So I like things to be perfect and clean and tidy and all that and I can't do it until that happens. 
Josh is good for me because we have people in our home a lot and so he challenges that a lot and I don't always like it and I might have a few um, breakdown moments before, but when I do it, it's the best thing ever and I didn't realise how much I needed it. So can I encourage you if you are like me, it's okay, just invite someone over and don't feel like it has to be a six-course meal, it doesn't. doesn't. We had toasties on the floor the other night with some friends because we are doing a a drop-off and that's amazing. To be honest, uh, we, we weren't planning to. They just dropped a kid off and we're like, have you eaten? Sharon's was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like, I think we've got some two-day-old chicken and some bread. Want some toasties? And you know what they said to us? How good are toasties? Sometimes they we're waiting. They weren't that good and the toilet was very dirty and yeah, I hadn't and, cleaned and up. Yeah, and there was undies sitting on the dining table with the folding and all that sort of stuff. They were clean, guys. Uh, but, but it was connection. I tell you what, sometimes we're waiting three months to do a three-course meal when maybe in that time we could have had couple people over where we just connected. Yeah. If you can't do it, go out and have a coffee. Have a half an hour chat in the foyer. And practice, practice. Practice. We drop our boys to training twice a week to go and train. They have to practice. We put it in the diary. Sometimes, yeah, you might need to just book it in, even though you don't want to do it, but do it. Open up your home or go out and meet somewhere or do something, but the more you connect with each other, we're actually doing, we're here to connect with God and relate with each other and we miss out when we don't. That's the same principle. That was right there in the book of Acts. I believe as much as our worship and our work, God wants us to connect with one another, to be deliberate. And it's not easy because the world makes it all about you, makes it about me. But you know what the last part of the Scripture was? It was serve others. You see, this are we not just doing what Jesus did for us? That Jesus was willing to serve. And so often how He served was in hospitality and connection. I mean, Jesus was willing to push past awkward conversation. You, look, you read the Bible, there's a woman caught in adultery, yet He has a conversation with her. That's potentially an awkward conversation, yet because He went to serve her and love her, He pushed through. He was at someone else's house for dinner and another woman comes in that wasn't invited, that cries and washes his feet with her tears and dries it with her hair, that pours out perfume. She wasn't even invited to that dinner, but he loved people so much he was willing to get past awkwardness to focus on a person. Jesus believed in eating in one another's homes and relationships so much, he met a tax collector up a tree and invited himself over for dinner right there and then. Never asked, is your house prepared? Have you got some John's pasta? He's like, no, I'm coming to your house right now to eat. Jesus loved people and served so much that in the one dinner that could have totally been about Him, the Last Supper, He poured out a bowl of water and He washed His disciples' dirty feet. The same people that would betray Him and run away from Him and deny Him were the very ones He knew and washed. Why? Because I don't think you can have the church without worship. I don't think you can have the church without word. And I also don't think you can have the church without deep-spirited friends. He created us for fellowship and koinonia. And if it doesn't cost, sometimes is it worth it? So it will cost us. But I tell you, just like my mum, who wanted two things for her family, that we would love Jesus and we would, be, we would get along. <laughs> I believe the Father's plan for His church is this, that we would know we are loved by Jesus and that we would be friends that become brothers and sisters. 
that people would see that we are followers of Jesus from the way we love one another. Linger longer. There's someone here that God's called you to connect with. In a church this size, no one should ever have to be alone. It's the plan of God at work through us in the kingdom and in this house too. Amen. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward, and I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.